tell you, um, we've been in this series talking about getting things back in order, rearranging our priorities to reflect the values of God, to reflect His heart, to reflect His character, to reflect who He is in our lives, literally allowing Him to change the way that we think, the way we react, and the way that we respond, the way we process different situations and different trials and, and, and different areas of our lives where we've been focusing on the family, we've been focusing on uh, family issues, we've been focusing on marriages and focusing on uh, children, but most importantly of all of those things is our relationship with God. Amen? You see, everything stems from that. Everything has to come from that. Everything is a, in our lives is fruit or a product of our relationship with God and how seriously we take Him. You know, it's not just about serving the kind of God and having the kind of relationship with God that would be just, oh, it's, it's just this exchange system. I do this for God and He does this for me. A lot of times we look at God like that. We, we look at the Word of God that way, and we think that that's what Christianity is all about, is exchange. And it's all about, well, if, if I do for God, then He does for me and makes my, the quality of my life better. Folks, He's not uh, someone who just wants to make the quality of your life better. He is life. He's not just, he, you know, a lot of people treat God like He's the side dish to their life. You know, that one thing that makes the meal better. You know, that, that, that dessert or, oh, that extra good thing, you know, the extra spice of life. God is not the spice of life. He is life. God is not here. Church is not here. The Word of God is not here to enhance our experience on the earth until we go to heaven. He is to be our experience on the earth. I, I want you to get this today. For us to get things back in order, we've got to change the way we view God. We've got to change what we expect and what we define as a relationship with God and as our walk with Him as believers. We can't just simply look at God to what He can do for me or what He has done for me. And that's all my relationship with God is, is when I get in a pickle or when I get in a tough spot, I get on my knees and I cry out to Him. It's got to be an everyday love relationship where we get to know who He is. And when we get to know who He is, He changes us from the inside out. Amen? Not just a one-stop shop where we have the salvation experience and then we just go to church and try to exist as good moral people. Hello, somebody. There's much more to Christianity than morality. Amen? Because the world understands how to be good people and that you should treat one another nice. The world that doesn't know Christ understands that we need to be nice to each other and we need to do good things for one another. What's the difference between Christians just being good people? The difference is, is that instead of talking about God or just expecting God to do things for me and to bless my life and spice up my life and make it more enhanced and make it better like life 2.0, he's supposed to consume my life. He's supposed to be my life. I'm supposed to serve him with an authenticity and with a sincerity, with a true and earnest compassion like we've never known. I'm talking like where he just becomes our life, where we love him. And, 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 and you know, that means a lot of different things to a lot of people. And, and if you want to try to squeeze all of this 
into some kind of canned formula about how to have the best relationship with God or how to have the best life. If you want to try to can it into some kind of formula, we think, well, it means I need to pray a certain amount a day. Or we think that it means I need to read my Bible a certain amount a day. Or I don't need to say cuss words. <laughs> you don't need to say cuss words. But we have, we have these, well, maybe if I don't do these things, then God will like me. And the more I get God to like me, the better my exchange rate becomes. That's a lot of times how we view God. The better I am, the better I act, the better I behave, the more disciplined I am with Bible study and prayer, then I earn more exchange points with God that I can cash in. Kind of like the coupons at Chuck E. Cheese. You know the coupons I'm talking about? Do we have Chuck E. Cheese in Wisconsin? We should because we're the cheese state. And that would be a shame if the cheese state didn't have Chuck E. Cheese. I think here we just call it Chucky because it, cheese is a given, right? <laughs> hey, you guys want to go to Chucky? Yeah. <laughs> just like in Texas, you know, we, we don't call it Texas Roadhouse. We just call it Roadhouse, right? You, yeah, you guys don't even know. So uh, <laughs> anyways, like everyone here is from Texas, right? Uh, so anyways, but I want us to get a hold of this today. That it's not just comes kind of exchange system. I'm not teaching you principles of the word of God to spice up your life, folks. Hello, somebody. I don't want your life to just be spiced up. I want your life to be dramatically changed when you've had a real encounter with a real God that really loves you. And it's not about you trying to get him to like you. Amen? It's about you getting to know him and loving him for who he is, not just what you can get in exchange for loving him. We don't even look at our earthly relationships that way a lot of times. If we do, we're destined for trouble. We fall in love with, with that special someone and we get married to our husband or our wife because we just loved them for who they were. We spent hours talking to them on the phone, breathing in the phone with nothing to say, sending countless text messages, and, 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 and you hang up first. No, you hang up first for hours. And we understand that between our human relationships, and that's just supposed to be mirrored of what God desires and wants from us. He wants us to just want to be with him and get to know him for who he is, not what he can do for us. Amen? You see... The branch is not connected to the tree for what the tree can do for it, but rather it's connected because it's a part, it's one. And because of its oneness, what does it do? We're seeing the apple trees right now really produce. What do they do? The, 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 all of a sudden that happens naturally. The fruit begins to produce naturally in the life of the branch because it's connected, it's one with the source. That's what God wants from us. He wants it to be real and authentic. It's not like we're a part of God so we can get things from him. We're a part of him because we love him. And then these things naturally produce in my life. They become a natural byproduct. They become a natural part. They become a natural product of our lives. We don't even have to think about it. It produces it naturally because we're connected to the life-giving source. We're not connected to the source for what we can get. Amen? If we're connected to God for what we can get from him, and that's all our relationship with this, is with him, then we are out of order. Amen, somebody? We are out of order if we're just hooked up with God for what he can do for us because we're scared of hell and we don't want to go there. And we just want to go to heaven. He wants more than us to just serve him because we're afraid of a life without him in hell. We he wants us to serve him because he wants us to choose him. Amen, somebody? That's all for free. Man, I tell you, I'm just so passionate about this this morning. And I feel that we really need to understand 
authentically, genuinely, not a form, not just something we do out of, out of our routine, not just something we do at church, but I'm talking about a real daily relationship walk with God where it's not about I do A, B, and C and God does this and this and this and that's why I serve Him. But I serve Him because I love Him, because I want to get to know the one who created me, who went a step further even when I messed it all up, His perfection and creation still sent his son to come and die for me. This is huge, folks. And when the reality of that grips the innermost parts of you, it'll change your life. That's the type of life change I'm talking about this morning. That's the type of reordering of our values and our principles that I'm talking about this morning. Amen? That's the type of reordering where I get real with God because he's been waiting for us to get real with him and stop just messing around. Yep. See, we live in a society of people, though, today that reject standards and labels. Anything that's against their view as hate, as bigotry, as fundamentalism or judgment. Anything that contradicts what someone else believes. Matter of fact, a lot of times what happens is we actually get scared and intimidated around people for actually standing for something and actually saying that we do love God or we do serve God or we do want to live our lives for Him. We get scared and intimidated because we don't want anyone to think that, well, you know, we don't like them because really, in essence, we don't want them to not like us. You see, uh, e even the whole people-pleasing mentality is motivated by selfishness at the core because the selfish desire is, is that I don't want you to not like me. That's the whole desire. That's the whole motivation of bending over backwards for someone is because you're scared of what they'll think if you don't do this or this or this for them. And it's the same thing in the world that would try to pressure you and say, if you don't act this way or fit into this mold, or if you don't meet my expectations, then I'm not going to like you. And we're so wounded and so afraid of rejection that we stray away from ever standing on anything or ever standing up for ourselves and what we believe in and not compromising our standards and our morals and our values and compromising who God has created us to be in His image, we will compromise those things in order to please someone else, in order to win someone else's approval. And it's really a selfish motivation on my part because I'm really concerned about me. Folks, that's out of order. That's out of the order of God. That's how the earth, God wants us to stand on our own two feet, sure that he will surely see us through whatever storm that we will weather or face if we stand on his promises and his principles and value what he values. Amen? But you can only find out what someone values by tapping into their heart, by really knowing who they are, by really knowing their character, knowing them at the very core of who they are. You can hear someone say nice things and you can hope that it's true, but until you really know them, you don't know if it's for real or not. You ever heard any, had anybody sweet talk to you before? Some of the ladies in here are like, oh yeah. Some of us guys, we tell them, hey baby, you sure are looking good. Girl, I'm gonna take care of you. Girl, I, 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 can I borrow $5, baby? I'm going to, you know, you know, we make all these sweet talks. We, 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 we make all these promises and actually it's just motivated with what we can get. A lot of times we're just motivated by what we can get out of the deal. So we'll say what we need to say to get what we can get. And somehow we've got this notion that we can do that with God. 
We've got this notion that we can fool God. Like he doesn't see through all of that. We got this notion like, okay, you know, Lord, I love you, Lord. And I lift my voice. I just tied today too, by the way, feeling pretty good. <laughs> Waiting on you to pay my bills while I sit in my house and ain't got a job. Thank you, Jesus. I can't pay my bills right now, but I've tithed. Oh, honey, you want to go get that new big screen TV? I think they had that on sale. Well, it is on sale, Jesus. You understand, right? I mean, and, and you see, we're not being wise stewards. We're not, a prince. we're not applying the principles and the values of God of stewardship. But yet we think because we did one thing, we think God's going to do something for us. And we just sit back and wait for him to fix us. God, my children are crazy. My children are nuts. They're driving me absolutely up the wall. I don't know how to control them. I can't do anything about it. So I'm just going to send them to church and let the church fix them. Or I'm going to send them to the school and let the school fix them. Or I'm just going to pull out a pill and pop it in their mouth and say, there you go. Leave me alone and act right. Don't you know you should act right? No, they don't know they should act right. That's why they've got you. They need you to parent them and step up and apply God's principles. Amen? Not just to simply try to ignore them or buy them off or push them away. You see, but God sees through all of that stuff. He knows what's really going on. He knows what's really out of order. He knows what really needs to be fixed. And it really all stems back to our heart. Because we can try to say all the right things. We can try to do all the right things. But if it's not in our heart, it's not genuine and authentic. And that's what God is looking for. He's looking for authenticity. Amen? Matter of fact, Jesus even said this. He was talking to the woman at the well in the book of John. He tells her, he says, hey, he said, there's going to come a time when the Father is actually looking for people who are going to worship him in spirit and in truth. He said, and that time is now. He's actually looking for those people who are authentic and sincere. Those people who are real. He's looking for those folks because that's what he's been looking at all along. This is helping anybody today. If it isn't helping anybody else, it's helping me. I didn't even got through my notes yet. <laughs> See, in this series, we've talked about taking responsibility for where we are in life and how we want God to order our steps. We want God to order our steps by his word and by his truth. And I really believe that it's time for the American family to allow God's word to define our standards and our values. Amen? And then his people need to be so bold to stand upon those standards, no matter what others may say, think, or feel. Amen? I'm talking about it's time for parents to raise their children according to God's standards and not Dr. Phil's. Amen? It's time for marriages to be defined by God's standards, not the government. Come on, somebody. <laughs> It's time for marriages to be defined by God's word, not the government, not Oprah. Oprah, for those of you that missed that, we're a little slow. And not what somebody reasons is right. You know, there's a way that seems right to us. We try to reason stuff and we try to make it make sense. And when there's something that doesn't make sense, we try to excuse it. Or, you know, those scriptures we skip over, the ones we don't like. We get our, you know, little Chris cut, Chris, Chris cut scissors or whatever you people have that do their scrapbooking. And we go, and we all, oh, we don't need that. We'll just make our own scrapbook version of the Bible that's for me. You can believe that, but this is what I believe. Well, what does the word of God say? 
Amen, somebody? You see, we can't reason what is right. We can't even try to make it say what we want it to say. It's, it is absolute. It is truth. It's not what I choose to believe. A lot of people think that if they, if they choose to believe the Word of God, then all of a sudden the Word of God becomes true. Folks, let me tell you, the Word of God is true whether we choose to believe it or not. I'll say that again. Word of God is true whether we choose to believe it or not. It is the ultimate authority because it is reflecting who God is and showing us who He is and showing us how He operates and what He values. The things that He is pleased with, the things He's displeased with, the things that He wants us to do and would, wants us to choose of Him and then the things that He wants us to flee from. See, but to get our relationships and our lives back in order, it's time for us to raise the standard. So if you're taking notes today, I want you to write that title down, Raising the Standard. You can also follow along with us on your iPads or your iPhones or your smartphones. If you have the Version app, you can go and click on Live on your Version app if you're following along on that. And you can actually follow along in this uh, message this morning and have those notes. So uh, uh, remember to check that out if you didn't bring your, your uh, mobile device this week. Your standard of life is a reflection of your influence. The standard that you uphold right now in your life is a reflection, it's a direct reflection of your influences. What you allow in your life, what you surround yourself with, the type of people that you surround yourself with, the type of people you allow to kind of dictate uh, what uh, th they believe. You kind of merge some of those things with what you've believed, or maybe some of the people you've been uh, influenced by as a child, your parents, your grandparents, that friend that may have influenced you, all these different influences, the sermons you may have heard, the way you heard it preached, the environment you were brought up in, your gauge of right and wrong, your thermometer is really based off of what you you allow to influence your decisions and your way of thinking. Matter of, fact, matter of fact, Romans chapter 12 and verse 1 in the message says it like this. It says, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday ordinary life, you're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work, you're walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to the culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out, readily recognize what He wants from you, and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you that's always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out in you, develops well-formed maturity in you. In the message, this, this scripture says, don't let culture drag you down to its level of immaturity. Don't let it convince you that, oh, if you stand for something, if you value something that God values, or if you really try to authentically serve Him, and you authentically want to live your life for Him, and really sell out to Him, and you want to make those choices in your life to choose Him, that, well, I'll be ostracized, or I'll be outcast from certain circles or certain people that accept me because I have these compromises in my life. Folks, the Bible talks about that narrow is the way. It said, but wide is the way that leads to destruction. Narrow is the way that reads, leads to the road of life. Now, now, you know, here's the deal. A lot of times people look at standards 
as, oh, well, you're just, uh, you know, you're just being all legalistic. You're just being all about, you know, do's and don'ts and things. No, 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 no. That's, that's not what we're talking about here. I'm not talking about just following a, a list of do's and don'ts in your family and in your life. I'm talking about us upholding a standard of what God says is right in our lives. Amen? Come on, somebody. And that is going to be a direct reflection of the influence that you've allowed in your life. So what are you allowing or who are you allowing to currently shape your values and your standards and the things that you uphold? What are you allowing to influence you? You know, how you were raised, what was modeled in front of you, all of that that was modeled in front of you like as acceptable behavior, it's all played a part in shaping your views of God, shaping your standard in which you approach your finances, which you approach your marriage, your relationships, how you raise your children, dealing with authority. You know what I'm talking about, dealing with that supervisor or that boss and how you react and how you treat these people and how you view that. All this stuff has been shaped by these different influences in our lives. And we've got to ask ourselves, is it, is it lined up? Is it aligned with what God would be pleased with? Is it me emulating his character and his values in my everyday life? Am I really aligned with him to the point to where I'm choosing to truly follow him and allow him to order my steps or am I choosing my own way because I think this is right and I think I know better than God oh God I I, yeah, I heard the pastor preach about this and I read that in the Bible and you know I saw Joyce Meyer say it on TV and so I, you know but I, I don't really want to deal with that right now because I'm I'm gonna go and do this because you know it's been working for me this far it's got me where I am in life anyways you know I mean and so we'll distance ourselves from truth when it doesn't agree with what's popular. We'll distance ourselves from absolutes when it doesn't line up with what's going to make everybody give me a high five and a pat on the back. Maybe even ostracize me a little bit and go, whoa, whoa, whoa. Um, there was a lady that asked me just a, a few weeks ago, actually. Um, she asked me, I don't know anything about, you know, Scientology, and I don't know, uh, you know, what's going on with all this stuff, but, but where I work, she said, they're wanting me to go through this training that has to, that, that is teaching a Scientology, and it has nothing to do with their work, it's just all this is based on Scientology, and she said, I know that's not right, and, you know, that's like that all whacked out religion that, like, you know, Tom Cruise, who is, who is nuts, you guys seen Tom Cruise lately? He's nuts. <laughs> you know, they, they, they follow this, you know, you guys seen jumping up and down the couch on Oprah, ah, and all that stuff you know it's, ah, ah, he's, he's crazy but God loves him anyways but Tom, Tom Cruise is, is, a, is a Scientologist and a lot of Hollywood actors are Scientologists and they believe in this, 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 this continual evolution and all this crazy stuff and they were going to teach some of this at her work and she said pastor what do I do you know I, I mean I don't know anything about it Am I, I, I'm afraid what's going to happen if I don't go through this and you know what she did she stood her ground and she said I'm sorry but I'm a Christian and this is what I believe. And she said, I'm not gonna go through this. And she was talked about. She was, uh, get, a lot of pressure was put on her. She called crying, talking, you know, sent me an email, what's going on? I, this is tough, this is the hardest thing I've ever done. But you know what she's doing is that she's upholding the standard of what she believes. And I told her this, I said, you know what's going on here? I said, your two children are seeing that mom's not going to compromise 
in this area regarding her beliefs. And you know what's happening? You're actually modeling for them the reflection of what you're allowing to influence you. And guess what it's doing, Mom? It's having an influence on your kids. Because one day, they're going to have to stand up for what they believe in. One day, they're going to be challenged or tempted to compromise. And they're going to remember my mom not compromising that day. And even though it was tough, even though they may have seen some tears, they still saw her go back into work day after day. Even though people were making fun of her because she wouldn't go through the classes, people would say, oh, you know, you're just, it's, it's no big deal. I mean, she said, no, I, I just can't with a clear conscience be a part of this. So please don't require me to do this. And they ended up not requiring her to do it, but it was still extremely, extremely tough to deal with all that pressure and people not understanding. Well, why will you not? That's just goofy. You know, it's just church. It's just this. It's just that. And people want to make excuses. And she said, no, I'm not going to do it. God bless her for that. And you know what? Even though men may be putting her down and trying to intimidate her and trying to put pressure on her, God knows what's going on and God sees it. And you never know who you're influencing or planting seeds in. Amen? You see, your standards really reveal your heart. It reveals what you truly value. It reveals what's in the core, what you really care about. You know, in Matthew 5 and verse 27, Jesus said that you've heard it said that, you know, uh, you should not commit adultery. You've heard this said in the days of old. You know, in other words, this is just something we've always heard, we've always known we're not supposed to commit adultery. He said, but I'm going to take it to the next level. He said, I'm going to take it to a holy new level. I'm going to take it to a new place. I'm going to say this, that he who looks on a woman... And lust, in, and lust on her has already committed adultery. Where? In his heart. What? Jesus, that's like crazy. He said, I'll tell you this too. The guy that, 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 you know, is wanting someone else to die and wishing murderous thoughts on them. He said, you've heard it said and you're not supposed to murder. But you know what? He's already murdered in his heart because that same attitude, that same thing he's already allowed in his life. And he's already done that in his heart. He said, you guys got to understand, I've been after your heart this whole time. I haven't been after your form. I haven't been after your religion. I haven't been after your Christianese. Hi, how you doing? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I'm blessed and highly favored. That's not what he's after. Amen? That does not impress the Lord. What does impress the Lord? What does catch his attention? Our heart. When we truly give him our heart, not just doing the right things, but why we do what we do. Hello, somebody. You see, in Mark chapter 7 and verse 20, you can look at that. Mark 7 and verse 20. And he said, What comes out of a man that defiles a man? For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornication, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lewdness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within, and they defile a man. All these things are coming from within. Those things that, that I've allowed to influence me, and they're coming from within. The things that he talked about, evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, lewdness, the stink eye. It's what he says right there. An evil eye. Mm. He said all that stuff comes from within a man. 
And that stuff is because he's allowed influences in him. He's allowed things to influence him in a way that it's changed his values and it's changed his standards and it reveals really what's in his heart. See, Jesus put emphasis on the heart of man. He even said in Luke 6 and 45 that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. You want to know what that means? That means what's in you the most is eventually going to come out. Now, we might not see it at church because I ironed my shirt today. And I, and I come up to you, well, praise the Lord, brother. It sure is good to be in the house of the Lord today. Whoa. And now let me tell you, it's just such a blessing to be here. But yet we're cussing our wife or we're talking bad about our spouse or we're gossiping or, or, or we're looking at other women lustfully. But oh, praise the Lord, brother. Are you, you getting what I'm saying? You see, we can fool each other and you can fool me, but we can't fool God. He knows what's going on behind the scenes where it really matters. Because we've got this thing backwards, it's out of order, where we think that, that what we do in front of men matters. We think that what men think of us and what men's opinions are of us, we think that's what's important. And we, so we elevate man's opinion above God's opinion. We elevate man's values above God's values. And so we kill ourselves to try to impress and please man, but all the while we're distancing ourselves from what pleases the Lord. And it's revealing a very selfish motive in our heart. It's revealing a very selfish motive that we're so concerned with what man thinks about us because of what man can do for us. Because if I can get so-and-so to like me, then I can get that promotion. <laughs> I don't care if I've got to compromise. I don't care what I've got to say or what I've got to do. I'm definitely not going to stand for anything. I mean, I'll, whatever they want me to stand for. Personality mirroring, <laughs> to, in a sense. I, I, and, it's not a, and we're not being real. We're not being authentic. We're not being genuine. We're just trying to get someone else to like us so we can advance in our life instead of living our lives to please God and letting him order our steps and open the doors. Amen? Just helping anybody today. Amen or oh me, right? Romans 12, 1 and 2 in the New King James Version. I want you to turn there. I want to read that real quick. Romans 12. One, two says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. He said, don't be conformed to the pattern, to the mold of this world. In other words, the thing that would try to put pressure on you to be like everybody else and handle things like everyone else says you should, but yet he said, be transformed. In other words, change the way that you think, change the influences in your life, change the way that you value certain things, the standards you uphold, and let them be lined up with what God says because it's going to transform your life. And you know when we'll do that, folks? We'll do that when we love him, when we really trust him, when we really believe that he is the God that he says he is. Because if we don't trust him, if we really don't trust him, then we're going to trust in ourselves. And we're going to say, you know what? I hear you, Pastor. Bless you. But you know, I'm going to be okay. Okay? I, you, know, you know, after all, God is... Uh, a loving God he's you know so I, I I know the Bible says this but you know I it, you know it's just not time for me right now it's just it's not time for me to follow God's word in that area you know uh, maybe 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 when this happens or when that happens and we excuse away our love we excuse away our trust we excuse away 
the reasons we're not valuing what God values. God wants us to change our values and align our values with His because His words are life. Amen? Because He loves us. Because He desires for us to choose Him and to follow Him. God's word is the standard for our lives. Amen? Mm, I said God's word is the standard for our lives. Amen? Amen? You see, it's not what I think. It's not what I reason. It's not what I choose to believe. It's the fact that God's word is true and I choose to believe it. It's the fact that I understand that God's word is the standard. It's the ultimate truth. And it's not just the standard for the people that go to word of grace. Amen? It's not just the standard for the people in Sheboygan County. It's the standard for everyone, for the entire world. God's word is the standard because it shows us who he is. It is alive and powerful. And when we follow God's word and trust in him, we begin to see things get back in order in our lives. God's word, it orders our steps. It alone should determine how I think and feel about things because guess what? It's perfect. Because God is perfect. How many of you believe that God's views are perfect? That God's values are perfect? How many of us believe that God's word is perfect? There, because it reveals to us who he is. Well, if that's the case, then I need to allow his word and his truth and who he is to influence my life because it's going to influence my standards and it's going to help me to raise the standard in my life to reflect and emulate the standards that God has for himself and that he desires for you and me. So if you want a successful marriage, you need to align yourself with what the Word of God says about marriage. Amen? If you want to raise successful children, you need to align yourself with how God says to raise them. If you want to experience real peace and joy, you need to align yourself with what God says. Amen? Because everything that God does in our life and everything that He desires for us, let me tell you something, Satan has a counterfeit for it. Everything that God desires for our lives, Satan has a counterfeit for it. And, he'll, and, and if we're not careful, we'll catch ourselves falling into the trap of chasing after things that we think are going to bring satisfaction, joy, and peace. All these different things in our lives that we're looking for that the world has defined as success. And they've painted this picture and we've bought into it and we've drank the Kool-Aid and we're chasing after this vision of what the world says success looks like. And you know, oftentimes we hear about stories... When people give up everything to go after this one thing that they think is going to make them happy or make them complete, and then when they finally obtain it, they find themselves still empty and still wanting. Why do you think that is? Because it's a counterfeit. It's a counterfeit to what God really has as, as joy and as peace and as satisfaction and as success. You know, that, what happens here is that we see is that there is this other version of peace. And people think they can find it in a bottle. They think they can find it in a needle. They think that they can find it in money and stuff. And they go and chase after all this stuff. And it brings a temporary satisfaction. And they go, oh, I like that feeling. Oh, I like that feeling. And they, they want to heap more and more stuff, more and more things that gave them that feeling, more and more illicit relationships. They want to go sneak on the computer at night and go look at the pornography. And when they do that, they get this feeling. And let me tell you, folks, it's only, it's only temporary, and it's not going to give you 
the satisfaction that only a true relationship with God can bring. Amen? We look at all this stuff. We look, oh boy, that looks like fun. That person sure does seem happy. Sure do wish I had what they had. I sure wish that I had the three-car garage and wish I had the nice boat and the nice cars and I had the nice house in the nice neighborhood and had the fancy title where everyone respected me and they chase after that stuff and try to please man and compromise to get there and they'll do anything they can and walk over anybody and be unethical to try to chase after stuff. They'll reject their family. They'll give up their marriage. They'll, they'll let their children go. All these different things they'll do to chase after this thing. And then when they get it, they go, it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. It ended up costing them more than they wanted to pay. And the reward was not as good as it was promised to be. You ever bought anything off of an infomercial? For three easy payments of... What is the deal with that? 1995! Everything is three easy payments of 19.95. But wait, there's more. If you order within the next five minutes, like that's even halfway true. I could order in the next 15 minutes. You know, did I miss it? Did I miss it? Whoa. No, that's okay. We've actually been doing this for 20 years. You know, it's been five minutes for the past, you know, 20 years. And, and all these things, and we get that stuff in the mail. Oh man, it looks so nice. It was so awesome. The way that that guy ShamWow cleaned his car. ShamWow! Woo! And I get my ShamWow and I'm like, where's it at? What's the deal? And we, and, and we get our knives in and we want to go cut through a can and slice through a tomato. Look at me, I can cut through a can. Like you ever need to do that? And those things oftentimes will disappoint and it's not what it cracked, was cracked up to be. And a lot of times that's how the devil will paint something. And you chase after it, and you finally obtain it, and you go, that wasn't what it was cracked up to be. That wasn't what it was cracked up to be at all. And then we step back and we look at the path that we chose for our lives and the values and the standards that we chose to abide by and how we had rejected God's path and God's way for our life and His values. And, and we begin to see that we chose our own, and we begin to see what was left in the wake. And we live a life full of regret. But folks, let me tell you, I don't care how far you've gone, how long you've rejected God, how many poor, bad decisions you make, today is the day. I said today is the day for you to make the decision now to take responsibility for where I'm at in life and to move forward with God hand in hand from this day forward and become one with Him and to serve Him and to value what He values and to say, God, not my will, but yours. Amen? Amen. Amen. I want you to write this down, number four. Don't let intimidation keep you from raising the standard. Don't let intimidation keep you from raising the standard. I want to share something with you. I didn't share this in first service, so lucky you. <laughs> Matthew chapter 16 and verse 13 says, when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked the disciples, saying, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? So they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, and he said, you are the Christ. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you're Peter, and on this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Now, check this out. 
Here they are, the disciples are with Jesus in Caesarea Philippi. I want to tell you a little history about Caesarea Philippi. It was a city that was dedicated to worship the Greek god Pan. Have any of you heard of the Pan flute? You know, the little flute, little doo -doo 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 -doo. the Pan flute, that is where that flute came from. It was actually the instrument of the god Pan. And this is actually historical fact. There is a temple in the region of Caesarea Philippi, the only temple that was dedicated to worship this god Pan. Now Pan was a very sexual god. He was half goat, half man, and he would play this flute according to uh, you, you know, mythology. He would play this flute and lure men and women in to have sex with him, and that's what he did. That was why, why Pan played that flute. Make you think twice before playing a Pan, playing flute, pan flute. But, <laughs> but anyways, he would, he would play that and, they, and he would lure them in to have sex with him. Now, this temple at Caesarea Philippi is where they would worship this god Pan. Now, you have to understand that Jesus is carrying around some, some Jewish guys. And Jewish guys knew that I didn't want to hang out where in this region of Caesarea Philippi where they worship the god Pan. Because when they worship the god Pan, they did the things that they thought would please this god Pan. And you could just imagine... All of the sexual immorality and the perversion that they would do in worship to the god Pan that they thought would please this god. And they did all these extremely perverted things. And, and, and to this day, where that temple is, actually, there's a spring that comes up. It's not as powerful as it used to be, they say. But there's a spring that comes up uh, from this temple, from all of the, the aqueducts and things that are there. And it, it'll shoot up. And they refer to this opening in this cave, this spring, as the gates of Hades. They called it, this is actually an entrance to the underworld. And this is the, the gates that, that Hades would open up for people to go into the underworld. And that's what was believed in this temple of the god Pan that they would worship. Now, with all of that being said, here's the disciples. And the Bible clearly tells us that when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked them, who do men say that I am, you know. Who, do they, who are they saying that I am? In the region of Caesarea Philippi, just imagine these Jewish guys in Caesarea Philippi going, oh, I hope nobody sees me here. You know, definitely not playing any flutes, you know. <laughs> I mean, I hope nobody sees me in this region. And here they are in this area where it wasn't somewhere that they would just go and hang out there in Caesarea Philippi in this area where there was this God uh, worship of Pan. And then they said, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ. He said, you're the son of God. And then Jesus said, I say to you, you're Peter. And on this rock, I'll build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Now, is that what Jesus was talking about? I, I don't know. But when I look at this and I know what was going on in the region and I could imagine how the disciples were feeling, they may have been a little intimidated they may have been a little scared to be in that region. They may have been a little uncomfortable. But Jesus said, listen, even the gates of Hades itself, even in this area where we may be, where there's all this perversion, where you're surrounded and all this, all this junk, all of this uh, false idolatry, all this false God worship that is all around you and you're surrounded in this entire area that would want to intimidate you and pressure you to give up or to conform, that would want to pressure you. Upon this rock, I'm going to build my church and the gates of Hades are not going to be able to stand against it. The revelation, the, the thing that I'm going to build my church upon is the fact that I am the Son of God. 
the fact that I am the Messiah. That's the foundation I'm going to build my church on. And let me tell you, folks, if we build our foundation and build our lives on the foundation that God, he, he sent his son to die for us and that he has given us his son and he wants us to serve him and live for him and value what he values and serve him in a way where we would emulate his very values and his nature and who he is, then the gates of Hades can't even stand against that kind of man and woman who is a part of the body of Christ. Amen? I want you to get this this morning. I want you to get this, that where there's intimidation, where there's fear, where the enemy would want to come in like a flood, then the Spirit of the Lord lifts up a standard against him. What is that standard? It's Jesus Christ on the inside of me. It's me knowing that I belong to God. It's me knowing that I'm not going to allow intimidation from, to keep me from raising and upholding the standard because this revelation, this rock, this foundation is so strong and so powerful that even the gates of Hades cannot prevail against it. We're in a world where we're surrounded by perversion and intimidation and those that would want us to conform to the pattern of this world. But let me tell you, folks, if we, if we walk in valuing what God values, if we walk emulating his character and his values and his word and allow those things to shape the way we think and allow those things to renew our mind, we'll be transformed and we'll be able to stand when the enemy comes in like a flood. Amen, somebody? Amen. You see, Jesus is the standard. He is the standard upon which I'll build my life. And now, folks, now, somebody say now. Right now, not tomorrow, not yesterday, not next week. Right now is the time to raise the standard and not give in to the pressure of the day. Because we choose to stand for something. I will stand for my marriage. I will stand for my children. I will set the standard for my family. And it will be based on God's word because I'm walking hand in hand with him. And he's ordering my steps. Amen, somebody. I'm raising the standard because I trust that God's word is true. And I trust that there is nothing that is formed to come specifically against me. No weapon that would be created that would be devised to come and trip me up or come and mess me up. It's not going to have any effect or prosper because I belong to Jesus. Because I value what he values and I allow his word to shape my life. I will stand. I will choose to stand. With arms high and my heart abandoned in awe of the one who gave it all. I'm standing on something that is solid and I will not be shaken. Folks, it's time to raise the standard to see things get back in order. I said this last week. I said, you got to start somewhere. You got to start today. You've got to start somewhere. You've got to let God order your steps where are you at in life? Where is it time for you to pick up the mantle of responsibility and say, you know what, I'm not going to be passing the buck anymore or playing the blame game. I'm going to take responsibility right here, right now. I'm not going to blame the devil. I'm not going to blame God. I'm not going to blame my parents. I'm not going to blame my boss. I'm not going to blame my spouse. I'm not going to blame my children. I'm not going to blame anything. I'm going to take it from right here and say, Father, I take responsibility for where I'm at, God, and I want to move forward, and I want to do it with you, and I'm going to trust you. And I'm going to apply your word to my life. And I'm going to value what you value. I'm going to allow you to shape, Lord, the things that I hold dear. And allow you to shape the very core of who I am. To shape my heart. And allow my steps to be ordered by the Lord. The steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. Amen. Church, are you ready to raise the standard? 
not buckle under intimidation not buckle under the pressure not buckle and give up and throw my hands up when things aren't going my way not buckle under the pressure when all of a sudden someone someone wants to uh, put pressure on me to compromise to water down my values and just go with what's popular and flow in that stream that everybody else is in it's not legalism it's not bigotry it's not anything that you're trying to be a person full of hate it's just there's a standard that God has set for me and I'm going to choose to uphold it because I value what he values amen I heard it said that can't remember who said it but they said if you want what God wants for the same reason that God wants it that there's nothing that you can't do if you want what God wants for the same reason he wants it in other words if you have gotten to know him and allowed him to influence and shape your life to the point that you begin to desire what he desires for the same reason he desires it folks there's nothing that God will not do in you through you that's what it means to truly surrender and to give him everything. Amen. Would you bow your heads this morning? Lord, we just want you to know today that we trust you. We just want you to know, Father, that we want to step in the direction in our relationship and in our walk with you where we would begin to understand your reality, that you are a real God, that you're not just a seasoning to our lives. You're not just a a portion to, of our lives to make things better or make things more enjoyable here while we're waiting to go to heaven. But God, you are life. You are that all-consuming fire. And Lord, I thank you that you help us to be awakened this morning and be drawn to that authenticity just as men were drawn to Jesus, just as people were drawn to your son here on the earth because that identification that this is something in me that yearns to be with him something that longs to get to know him for who he is thank you Jesus for what you're doing in our church thank you for what you're doing in the lives of your people in Jesus name there's anyone in this place today that would say pastor Derek I don't know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior and I'm ready to make that commitment today I'm ready for it to be real I, I don't want it to be another Sunday school prayer where I just said it because I was scared of what would happen if I didn't I want it to be real and authentic and genuine and if that's you in this place today I want you to just let me know that you're here by raising your hand and putting it back down I'm ready to make it real I'm ready to make that authentic commitment today and be sincere I see that hand anybody else I see that hand anybody else in this place this is not between me and you this is between you and the father it's just your step of acknowledging your need for Christ anyone else in this place church would you help me pray this morning repeat this after me say Jesus I welcome you into my heart I welcome you into my life in a real and authentic way I want to be real I want to be genuine in my love for you in my passion for you and I want to serve you with everything because you died for me I say you're the leader of my life today and I'll follow you in Jesus name. Amen. If you said that prayer today, maybe for the